for all the Fandanglers out there who know that the heart and soul of Retro Fandango is all about truth and honesty. It's all about being real and brave. That's Retro Fandango. That's Retro Fandango. When it's Android over iPhone and you can keep your stupid amiibo and always bashing on Nintendo. But that's Retro Fandango. That's Retro Fandango. Thanks, Retro Fandango. Here we are. Retro Fandango, episode number 229. How does it feel? How does it feel to have 228 episodes under the belt and you're now on Uh, And more if you count those uh, long lost film dangos. That's true. There are the film dangos. Yeah, probably yeah. closer to like two fifty or something. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the last episode of the Wonder Years, which <laughs> oh, was segue, which was broken up into two episodes on the DVD, mm-hmm. and then one of the bonus features on the DVD was the full one hour episode, because I guess they had yeah. like a full hour special as their last episode. Okay. But uh, the regular DVD and the regular DVD menu was the syndicated broken up into two episodes versions where you have like last time and, you know, to be continued okay. a little bit, which well, kind of purists out there, you, you know, you can see both versions. Well, that, but that kind of annoyed me that it wasn't like it was stuck in the bonus section. It should have been ah, like right there because right. I would have preferred to watch the one hour special. Like I was watching the finale again, like I did yes. way back in 1993. I can't do the math. Let's see. It's 2023. Carry the one. I mean, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I finished uh, The Wonder Years. All right. There you go. Uh, six, <laughs> six seasons, was it? it was six, uh, six seasons. Okay. Um, Apparently, they were not sure if it was going to be the finale or not um, because they were they were kind of up in the air whether or not they were coming back. And it wasn't until like they had a feeling that it was going to be the last episode. So they kind of story wise, they kind of left everything open. And when they got the official word that they were not coming back the next season, that's when they had Daniel Stern do the voiceover to wrap the series up. Okay. That's what I was going to say is like, I, I don't remember the last episode, but I know I did watch it. And I remember spoilers. Doesn't he talk about, uh, somebody died? Yep. Okay. So yeah, I was assuming that might've been a last minute. Let's discuss this in a voiceover and, you know, put a bow on it that way. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So because of that, because of that hurried production at the end, it it is widely considered to be one of the poorest um, endings Mm -hmm. um, because it does end on a bit of a bummer. Um, Should I, can I tell the spoilers? I mean, the show is 30. I don't think anyone is going to care very much. (laughs) So the the one big thing is that uh, Winnie and Kevin Arnold do not carry on their relationship they do not get married and live happily ever after mm-hmm. um but apparently that was the intention uh of the creator from day one 
It's like how many people end up with their high school sweetheart as their forever mm -hmm. and one? Like there, there are exceptions. There are some. Uh, uh, Duke, for one. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, so you Dukes may are happily ever after. But he's like the law of averages are that you do not end up with your move on. And basically, they built that up by she um, was uh, it was almost like uh, Doctor Bashir in uh, Deep Space Nine, where all of a sudden it's revealed that they're, they're super smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> super <laughs> yeah. smart. Well, she that they were there was a whole season where they were building up to their SAT scores, which uh, being Canadian still kind of confuses me. I'm not exactly sure what the SATs are and why they're so important, but they are to Americans. Yeah. Apparently it, it's... You don't do that? No. <laughs> no they, we don't... they just give you a pen and send you to high school? No, they, they take our grades and uh, the colleges and university use our actual grades to decide whether or not they want to admit you into the school. Whereas this, they seem to narrow it down to like a test, just this one, like how well you did on your SATs determines yeah what you do I, for the rest I'm of your with life you there i'm uh, with you there because it's the same thing in japan that you know there's this big test to get yeah. into high school like what, what, it what seems like the last four years what, what about that stuff yeah and it seems like a lot of pressure to put on kids like you gotta like yeah. it, it, if you do well on this test you're you're fine but if you don't do well you're you know you can't and you can't take the test again or i don't know i i, I don't know what the yeah, it's, it's, well, I'm having a hard time remembering the the U.S. style with the SATs, but I do know in Japan it's a, it's a one-time thing. Uh, and yeah, if you screw it up, if you just buckle under pressure, then it's like, all right, yeah. well, you can't go to the school you want to. You one that's, of these schools. That is just plain silly. Horse hockey. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out Winnie Cooper is a genius because uh, she scores really high on her SATs. So she's going to you know, a high level school where Cameron, Kevin Arnold is just, he's only above average. So he just mm -hmm. you know, goes to normal college or whatever. So, uh, yeah, so they do not end up together. And, uh, another thing that was shocking to viewers and in hindsight, when you look at the series and how it was built and created, uh, his, his father passes away mm -hmm. and throughout the entire series, it is always stressed on how he puts his dad on a bit of a pedestal and how much he didn't uh, really appreciate his dad. And, and, you know, like the voiceover is now that he's looking at it as a father, he mm -hmm. appreciates more what his dad was trying to do. And he understands why he was a distant at times, you know, because he was trying to protect his son from uh, so, some realities, you know, just stuff that he felt like he didn't really need to deal with or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, it, it, it turns out in the, in the final episode that he did pass away. And a lot of the stuff was like uh, the entire series is from Daniel Stern's memories, you know, uh, right. perception of his memories. But his dad was always put on that, that level, you know, where he was really revered and, and it, it makes sense. It, it really does. Like there's always, when he would have an argument with his dad, it was always done within the context of regret. You know, like I really regret mm -hmm. this argument I had with my dad over this, that, and the other. But that that was really the the genius of the show was that Kevin Arnold is an asshole. Like he is not, <laughs> but he's a kid, right? He's he, yeah. He's um, you know, trying to make his way. He's trying to figure things out. 
makes a lot of mistakes. And the voiceover ties everything into, well, now that I'm looking at this through my maturity, like, and, right. you know, I mean, I, I got to admit when I was a teenager, I was a pretty, pretty much an asshole too. So I, I couldn't imagine like just looking back at like <laughs> having like to actually sit there and watch what I did as a teenager would be, Oh my God, I'd be so embarrassed. I would cringe, cringe a lot. Mm -hmm. But anyways, well, well, that's the uh, the appeal of the show and why it's probably good to revisit it now that you've done because you first saw it from the perspective of Kevin yeah. Arnold, teenager. Now you see it as Kevin Arnold's full-grown adult. Yeah, when that show yeah. aired, I was the exact, I still am the exact same age as uh, uh, with the, with Fred Savage. Fred um, so, you yeah, know, when the show aired, it was exactly how, and now I'm watching it. I'm actually, and I'm older than the parents <laughs> now because uh, Jack Arnold's like 42. I'm like, wow, 42. I remember that five years ago. Yeah. Well, he was a rough 42. <laughs> yeah. And his mom was, uh, her age is worth 35 to 41. That was her span throughout the show. Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, good series. It stayed solid, I, I think, throughout uh, its entire run. It was totally worth a watch. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of complaints, too, that, like, that Kevin Arnold didn't really um, grow up uh, like it, with experiences and stuff that normal 17-year-olds would. But apparently a lot of that had to do with the fact that the show was put on at 8 o'clock at night and the network mm -hmm. had certain standards. You know, so his friends would get into antics and, you know, getting to Well, know. that was a common thing. Yeah. Right. But he himself would, would uh, until until the final episode where him and Winnie finally got together, if you know what I mean. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. That was their goodbye to each other. But, yeah, good, good series. I enjoyed it. Would recommend. All right. Now everyone just has to uh, find a copy of that coveted DVD set that's yeah. <laughs> floating around out there somewhere. Well, maybe I could be convinced to put it onto uh, uh, Creepy Josh's uh, Plex because I, oh have been, I have been enjoying the Plex uh, quite a bit. Have you uh, partaken in the in the Plex? Um, the last time I did use the Plex um before it was mentioned but a few months back i think when i watched um avatar finally i, I had yeah. watched it on his plex um and i was very glad that i did not purchase the film <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh but yeah i haven't really uh scrolled through it in a while and and there was always a ton of content there Mm -hmm. uh, film and television, but uh, I know he, he was pretty regular, and like every couple of weeks, he'd be like, "Okay, here's a few more things. Here's a few more things." And so, I imagine it's it's quite a healthy menu at this point. Yeah, it's up. I think he's got around fourteen hundred movies on there. I don't know mm -hmm. how many TV shows, but uh, there's a lot of movies. Um, I will say a little bit of a little bit of a criticism. I don't know if it's criticism more of a, th I don't know, a thing that needs to be worked out, figured out is subtitles because uh, so we watched, so for bad movie night this past uh, Saturday, we watched Piranha 3D. Oh, okay. Piranha, I'm curious about that one. And Piranha 3 
DD, three or three double D, depending on how you wish to pronounce it. Now, Piranha mm -hmm. 3D was fine, but Piranha trip double D had uh, subtitles throughout it that were like burnt in. So I know that's got to oh, do okay. with like the file that he must have downloaded or something like that for it. Um, but then I also, on my own, I watched uh, the movie Sisu. Sisu? Which, for the most part, it's either there's no speaking or it's in English. But there are a few, there's a couple of lines of dialogue that did, that did have, like, required subtitles. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to figure out how to turn them on. And I went in and I selected English and there would be nothing there. So... I don't, I don't know what he can do about that. Mm. You may need to re-download Piranha 3 Double D, but um, yeah. Okay. So, you want to talk about Piranha 3D? <laughs> Piranha. I've never seen it, so I, I'm. I mean, I'm assuming Piranhas. This is the uh, the Joe Dante film that was no. like a ripoff of Jaws. No, I th I think we would have been better off if we watched that. There was uh, that. So Joe Dante, I think, did Piranha, and then James Cameron did Piranha 2, I think, or I got that mixed up. Something anyway. about it. Sound, that sounds familiar. So they brought the series back in around, around 2010, 2010. Oh, okay. Okay, so All this right. is the comeback. So in 2010, they came out with Piranha 3D, and then in 2012, they came out with Piranha 3 Double D. Okay. I have heard of the cover for that like the movie poster yeah yeah um and it is exactly what you think it is yes both uh of the movies suck and <laughs> not naturally and but not even in that uh fun way uh like we did watch it for bad movie night we had a bunch of people over we were all watching it getting ready to knock it and everything and we did but it wasn't really it's kind of weird with schlock. You can't go, you can't make it too good. It loses its charm if you make it, if there's too much uh, technical, like, I don't know. It's it's like it cheap, cheap humor and, and cheap schlock need to be cheap. You can't spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. It's, it's gotta have, it's like a Saturday night live sketch. Some of the, one of the reasons I'm talking, of course, of classic Saturday Night Live. I don't know what they're doing now, but uh, one of the reasons why this stuff is funny is because it, they didn't put a lot of time or money into it. You know, it's just yeah. Well, do, do the joke. You well, know? especially the original era of SNL, where it'd be like, mm -hmm. like Chevy Chase would play Gerald Ford, and he'd just come on camera and say, and "I'm Gerald down. Ford," <laughs> and just like, "Okay, well, he's Gerald Ford now." You know, and then it really started in around our era where they would get more and more makeup on. Uh, yeah. Uh, but they like, but the, it's hard to explain. Like the, the makeup would be almost part of the joke where like, uh, like for instance, when um, Dana Carvey would do Carcinio, which was like that mashup mm. of Johnny Carson and Arsenio Hall. Right, Arsenio Hall, yeah. Right, and he would have like, the flat top, but he'd look like Johnny Carson and yeah. he'd have like these really long fingers, you know, yes, like, yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that would, it would be part of the joke. It would kind of like that to me was perfect. You know, like they kind of just would use it to enhance the joke. And then by the time you got to like 
you know, 2000, 2005 with the Daryl Hammond stuff and that. It would be like they would completely change the actor to look like the person they were impersonating. And to me, that yeah. was like you went a little too far, you know? Mm hmm. Like they're they're putting too much effort into the visual appeal, but that's not the style of humor. Yeah, I don't know it. It, anyways, that that was a little tangent. Anyways, uh, so yeah, so it's kind of the same for Piranha 3D. Uh, those the the movies were at their best. Like the the special effects are horrible. They're all horrible CG effects. They look really bad that's when the movies were at their best because the CG was so bad that it kind of made it a little bit good. But mm -hmm. then when it came to, um, I don't want to say plot because that'd be a little too much, but when it came to the story and the acting, like they had, uh, which the first one had, um, Elizabeth shoe in it. Really? Yeah. Oh, the original. No, not this twenty. No, twenty ten. Three D. I I have not oh, seen okay. Piranha one and two. I'm I'm starting. We started right with the three D, mostly okay. because that is where the gang wanted to start. The gang that 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 watched the bad movies. They said these are the bad movies we want to watch. So I, I checked the mm -hmm. Plex and and they were on the Plex. So I said, come on over and we'll watch three D, three D, and three D D D D. The okay. first Piranha and the second Piranha. I have the first Piranha. I'm one you of those do. horror. Yeah, I'm one of those horror collection. Oh boy, that's expensive around me. Um, so I do want to. I do want to watch it. But anyways, um, like uh, yeah. So Elizabeth Shoes in it, and you know, like she's just too good for the material. You know, like she's just too uh, yeah good of an <laughs> actor. And then Jerry O'Connell is in it as well, and he kind of plays oh, wow. this okay. cheesy. Um, like you remember those uh, girl girl gone wild videos. With that guy, like the, they would come on like. Um, what did you watch? <laughs> well, it would come. It, they would do infomercials for these girls. Oh, wild okay. Video. The um, yeah, those like uh, sold on TV VHS. Yeah. Things. Okay. Yeah, like you're 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 finished watching SNL, and then all of a sudden, like a, a half hour commercial for a porno would come on, right? And it'd be girls yes, gone yes, wild, yes. and have that cheesy guy, and well, so he kind of plays that kind of character, which. Okay, like, but it, I don't know. It just, they were a little too good. You know, they were too good. The Ving Rames is in it as well. Um, you know. Okay, yeah. It sounds like good. a, like, a, <laughs> this sounds like a nobody movie where you just have a bunch of unknown, terrible actors. Well, I, I mean, Jerry O'Connell, hmm. I've seen do good stuff. I mean, he was great in Stand By Me as a child actor. And yeah, sure. I've I've seen him do – and Elizabeth Shue won an Oscar at some point, right? Uh, I, I know at least she was nominated uh, leaving Las Vegas, right? Right, really you know. And uh, Big Rames, I don't know. The Future series. That's right, yeah. While well, she's in two and three. Anyways. Karate Kid. She's a lot of good That's stuff. That's right. So, you know – it's just i don't know like they it's it's i don't know there's just something that wasn't working about it like if it had practical effects or something like that something like yeah. mm -hmm. to kind of buy into the schlockiness stuff of it but they kind of went really super cheap on the visual effects and went too expensive on the uh acting and plot and i don't know it just it was boring it was just boring. Even for like an, a movie that was like an hour and 20 minutes, it was kind of too long. 
mm-hmm. the thing. Like they find the basically they find the piranhas. Uh, there was some company that was drilling underneath the lake and they found a subterranean lake and the piranhas were down in there and then the piranhas come out. And they kind of do like a whole alien ripoff thing where they go down to explore like this underground cave and they find the eggs and the eggs mm-hmm. start bursting out and attacking the divers. It was a complete ripoff of alien. You know, it's just, I don't know. It just, when it, when it was just a bunch of stupid, uh, uh, effects you know just uh, computerized effects and that i don't know anyway so then uh triple d now we now we we decided to we weren't impressed with piranha 3d but we decided to watch uh three double d because this mm-hmm. one was supposed to be more schlocky like they kind of leaned heavily into the schlock but uh it was just more of the same they did get david hasselhoff in the film to kind of do the exact same thing he did in the SpongeBob movie, where he just kind of plays I'm himself. Yeah. yeah, where he just plays himself. Um, spoiler alert: Ving Rains comes back, uh, <laughs> even though he's eaten in the first one. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it just it, uh, neither of them really. It's work. one of those movies where it tries to be funny and quirky and look. It's one of those bay movies. It's it's really terrible, but it's so much fun. There, and, and it's not because it's they intentionally try to catch that vibe. And you can't do that. It's too self aware. It's just yes. They, yes. They're, they like every time they would do something, it's almost like as if they're pausing, like eh? mm-hmm. yeah. Know? Like they're, you know, like it's just how it was made. It just it felt like they were too self-aware, and they, if they exactly, needed to yeah. just lean in heavily on, like, wait, if you're gonna make schlock like that, you gotta lean in heavily on it. Like, just make it as cheesy as possible. You know, yeah, it 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 comes from the lack of budget and trying to be creative and go beyond, you know, what you're capable of, and not quite getting it. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, like it, they really have to strive to make a quality film, but be somewhat inept or not have the money or. Yeah, like they like it loses its charm, right? Like, loses its charm. Yeah, it, there's, there's. They, it's like they tried to lean into like the scream movie kind of thing. You know, like we're self aware, we understand what's like all the plot, uh, uh, cliches and everything, but we're right. gonna do the thing anyways. You know, I, I don't know. It just. It didn't really work. Well, yeah, I mean, at the same time, they may know it's not working, but you've got two audiences. You've got the the audience that's just going to lap it up and like, ha, 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 look how silly, look how cheap, uh, like the Sharknado movies. Right. Uh, and that's your, your kind of blinds, like we're not thinking about film as film. Just, yeah. ah, it's something to look at. And, you know, we look up from our smartphones once in a while and, and chuckle at the, the TV. And then you got people that are actually trying to judge it as a film, which, you know, it, it's not. It's just cheap entertainment. Yeah, which I'm fine with. I, I do like that kind of stuff. It just, I don't know. It needs, you got to go all in, I think. I think if you're going to go slow. And you got to have some charm. And, yeah. and those movies are devoid. Uh, speaking of which, I have one of those on my list right here. It's, it's almost exactly the same... Uh, issues you were talking about um i was just out in the shop and i saw 
You, you've heard of the Death Race movies, right? Yes. I almost watched Death Race 2000 last night. Okay, because that's what I thought I was getting. No, I, you, I you got the Jason score. Stratham one? You know, I did see that one. I did watch okay. it on Netflix years back, and I was like, uh, there's something there. You know, the idea of Death Race and and cars driving around smashing into each other and and you know just kind of like extreme racing sounds fun i've never seen the original the original was um stallone and yeah. uh and um i think david carradine name? david carradine yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so i i was out and i saw this it's called death race 2050 roger corman's death oh. race 2050 and it's got a really nice cover Sorry for the those of you listening, but it's got one of those painted artwork covers. Yeah. And it's got some goofy looking cars and costumes. And on the back, um, you know, it's people in weird costumes and stuff. And I thought, oh, this this is going to be fun. Roger Corman, he made a bunch of, you know, cheap movies way back when. And I'm looking at the cars here. I'm like, those are going to be practical cars with like stupid stuff on them. This is going to be fun. I didn't have my reading glasses when I went to the store. <laughs> I did not see that this movie was made in 2017. So this, uh, okay. just like your Piranha movies, yeah, is intentionally trying to be goofy and like, huh, look at this. Look at this mm. crazy character. Yeah. And yeah, like 30 seconds in. I realized this is a bad move, but I did watch the entire thing, all 93 minutes of it. And it's not, I don't know. I, I think if you watch this, you'd probably have a Piranha 3D reaction where it's, it's just too self-aware mm. and they're trying too hard to capture that goofy vibe. And it just comes off as cheap and poorly written, poorly acted. Everything is just. But then it gets distributed by Universal. It's like, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I absolutely love the Universal logo. When I watch a movie that's been put out by Universal and, and the, the, the letters come around the earth and you get the music swelling and everything, I think, wow, that's. Great, I love that. When I watch Tremors or something and the Universal logo comes up, makes me so happy. Then you see some garbage like this. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm assuming they used Roger Corman's name because he's tied into the original movie, I guess? Is that yes, okay. yes. And I'm sure he probably... I'm sure he's credited as like an executive producer or something on here. Or maybe... Oh, maybe they just used his name. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It says produced by Roger Corman, which, I don't know. That's nothing right. crazy. He's Whatever. They got me. Well, I still like the you, cover, though. How much did you pay for that movie? $5. Okay. Well, dang, dang. I, I really do like the cover. It's a nice yeah. cover. I wish that it's better than just those... Um, uh, I'm going to make fun of Iron Man for this. Those Iron Man covers where it's just the Photoshop of different faces and different sizes. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, well, maybe we, we can convince uh, Creepy Josh to put uh, Death Race 2000. The, uh, I, I wish I had watched it because that was all over Tubi years ago. Yeah, I think it is still on Tubi. And I, and I did 
legitimately almost watch it last night, but I ended up watching a little bit of this movie called Trucks instead. Which this, so, this is not a Pixar thing. It's not their no, cars universe. Or no, 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 no. So Stephen King wrote a short story called Trucks. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of took a little bit uh, from that short story and he put it into his maximum overdrive, his film, his big <laughs> uh, flop his, of a film, maximum overdrive. But it wasn't masterpiece. It wasn't like it, he just took some ideas from that. Right. So this was the actual film adaptation of the um, the original short story. And it is uh, unwatchable. I think I lasted maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really bad. Um, I'm guessing supernatural truck still. Yeah, the trucks all come to life there. So they're in like a small town and the small town is uh, frequented by aliens quite often. So you would get like Mm. these strange characters coming into the town. It's it's loosely based on, I guess, Roswell. It's kind of like a Roswell idea. But a lot of people who are there to see aliens are, you know, coming into the town, especially during the summer, right? They go on their summer vacation and this is where they go because they want to see a UFO. So it's all about this small town that doesn't have a lot of resources. It kind of has a little bit of a Tremors vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm upselling this way too much because okay. it is it is not on any sort of level like those movies. It's just really poorly acted. And uh, there were a couple of... Um, scenes where the trucks would turn on and the, the person would be standing there and then they they turn like oh my god the truck is like by itself it's coming towards me and then cut at it like you don't see anything well they couldn't even drive a truck no i, I don't know I just <laughs> anyways it uh yeah it, it wasn't and plus it was like a postage stamp little thing on tubi like it was just a little I couldn't expand it to full screen, so I was ah, forget this, forget this so-called movie. So don't waste your time with trucks. No. I did see Cop Car on there though, and I almost clicked on that too. That was you recommended. Cop Car's okay. That, right? Yeah. Cop Car's okay. Yeah. Well, it's still on my list. <clears throat> um. Okay. What else? What else have you been watching? I got. I got, I got some Stephen like... King on my list. Here. Oh, there we go. See, we're segueing all over here. Yeah, I uh, I actually had a lot of success with uh, some pickups recently. Many of them in the five dollar range. Um, all right, I'll start with the Stephen King one. Uh, this I, this was five dollars, I believe. When I got it. Um, I I found a copy of Carrie, oh, okay. which I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched it and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really like this movie. I do know that there. Yeah, it's even on here. There was a 2013 remake. Yeah, uh, of this film, and I'm going to guess I've not seen it, but I'm going to guess that the 2013 remake did not start with a prolonged slow motion shot of the girls' locker room. <laughs> Probably not, <laughs> uh, because I'm watching this movie, and then uh, you know. There's a quite a lengthy uh, trucking shot across mm-hmm. a high school 
uh, locker room with a bunch of uh, completely nude girls running around. Well, good thing you got Probably in Blu-ray. wouldn't do that anymore. You got the high fidelity yeah. Blu-ray. Well, one thing I was very surprised to see is um, uh, uh, Karen Allen was in this movie, mm -hmm. who, of course, played uh, Officer Ann Lewis in RoboCop. Right. And in RoboCop, she's portrayed as the, you know, kind of tough, somewhat tomboyish of the 80s era, that kind of a, a uh, female character. She's totally the blonde, like, bimbo you know, the leggy uh, uh, blonde or brunette, or um, maybe she had more auburn hair, I, I forget. Uh, but she's that total stereotype, you know, super thin, bony, you know, antagonist girl in here. And she looks totally different in RoboCop. She, she's that, an actress. That's, that's she, the power of an actress. There you go. Connect. I saw her in another movie. I think, mm -hmm. I think she was in Thief with uh, James Caan. And she was she was good in that. She played a prostitute in that. Did I just call her Karen Allen? I'm sorry, Nancy. No, Allen. Nancy Allen. Nancy right. Allen. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't think I got her confused with um, Raiders of the Lost Ark actress. What's her name? Karen Allen. Is that her? I think so. I think yeah. it's Karen. Allen. Okay. Uh, we got Chris Roberts here. Hello, Chris Roberts. Hey. hey. Uh, We're well, not talking about tapes. We're talking about Blu-rays. Well, speaking of robocop mm -hmm. i did watch a tiny little bit of the robocop tv series oh that's all you should ever watch <laughs> i was on uh so i have like a bunch of streaming services on my roku i don't i don't know if i mentioned this but i don't have any streaming services that i pay for yeah you got rid of them all got rid of it all don't have it all so i have a bunch of free ones on my roku and i was just kind of going through like um trying to clean it up a little bit because there's a bunch i downloaded and probably watched like one thing on it or whatever so one of them was this sci-fi thing so i i opened it up and i clicked on it the very first thing that popped up was robocop the tv series mm -hmm. so i clicked on that let's let's watch that night i well first of all the the number one mistake they made is that they uh have it in 16 by 9 and they crop the top and the bottom like Ooh. really oh. bad because, you know, yeah. like well, RoboCop has that readout that comes out on his thing and that's like cut in half or even a lot of the graphics mm. are cut in half. Uh, people's heads are cut off. It's, uh, it's, it's anything bad. they can do to try to trick you into watching this old four by three. Four by three. It was fine. Four by three. I, I know. Yeah. But, you know, younger people, they're not going to give it the time of day. They're I just, guess oh, so. what is this? Some boomer and show. Anyways, I started watching. I forgot how Toronto that show is because that show was shot in Toronto. So mm -hmm. you have uh, instead of Lisa Gibbons as the um, uh, news anchor, uh, it's uh, Erica M who was on uh, Much Music, which was the Canadian version of MTV. So she's there with mm -hmm. the big hair and all that stuff. Um, and then I saw there was the guy on the Red Green show. I know I'm talking all Swedish to uh, Richard mm -hmm. right now, but there was a show in Canada called red green. And he had a, he had a sidekick uh, Harold who had like this computer, like he would do all the graphics for the show. Like he would just stand there and he had like, it was basically like a keyboard with a Commodore 64 duct tape to it. <laughs> and he would do like all the graphics for the show with this thing. I don't know. It was, anyways, he was, he was in the show as well. Um, but uh, I was impressed with how the show 
at least attempted to stick to like i only watched the first 10 minutes of of one Mm -hmm. episode because basically they made me sit there and watch a commercial and then the episode started and that was fine then i watched 10 minutes and then when i got to the first commercial break they wanted me to sit through five ads and i'm like yeah i'm not doing that forget that get rid of this Mm -hmm. but within that first 10 minutes i was at least impressed with how they tried to stick with the uh whole social commentary of robocop like there was a lot of Mm tongue-in-cheek stuff the cops were very tongue-in-cheek you know uh basically robocop there was a a guy they kind of implied that he is the guy from the first movie that gets uh uh dipped in the acid even though he gets Mm -hmm. run, run over by a car and his parts go flying all over the place but he's kind of in a building with a rocket launcher (laughs) of course Mm -hmm. and he's got hostages and uh he's he's telling the host he's telling the cops like i want robocop here because robocop uh he his actions are what caused me to be covered in acid and he ruined my life because my face is all messed up and everything like that right right so robocop they're waiting for robocop to show up the cops are you know, talking and the, some, uh, one of the, um, news announcers, you know, comes up and says, Hey, maybe this guy wants an interview with uh, t- a TV personality like me, you know, kind of thing, trying to get into the thing. It was just, it was all kind of done tongue in cheek. And then finally Robocop shows up and the guy throws, fires his rocket launcher at the car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Robocop just gets out like, eh, eh just, just another, rocket launcher being thrown at me there yep, relieve all tension right away <laughs> right. uh goes upstairs all the all the hostages were like like uh he, he was in an old age home so they're all old people like ready mm-hmm. for bed they're all in their robes and everything and they're, they have all wires tied to them because he has them all tied up ready to explode mm-hmm. and uh robocop just basically goes in and throws them out the window and the guy survives that it was very it was very cartoony you know, it felt very like like this yeah. acid guy felt like a very very much like a cartoon villain, and yeah, they they've tried to maintain that in every iteration that I've seen. Uh, I will say again the um, the the TV show. Yeah, I watched the pilot episode a couple months ago, and I, I it was terrible. Um, but they did one later on, another Canadian production called uh, RoboCop Prime Directives. Yeah. And they were like four, uh, I, I want to say one hour, possibly 90 minute episodes uh, of this TV show. Uh, almost Columbo-ish, like, like a oh, okay. week kind of yeah. feel to it. Um, and those were better. They, they were better. They strove for a darker tone they're still cheap and they're still like uh, i don't know i could be watching something else but it's not bad as far as if you wanted to make a robocop television show back in the i believe that was the early 2000s Mm -hmm. nowadays you could just make a full-on robocop tv show where there's there's cursing and blood and and over-the-top violence and all that but for the time i guess that was the better version of a tv show for robocop yeah well i i will say that 10 minutes did make me want to see more of that tv show maybe it gets maybe it falls off a cliff but i i was digging the cartoony vibe of it yeah well he's got his little um his little hockey puck explosive Hmm. that's right out of his leg at at the door and uh Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. And then it's just a, an excuse for an explosion where there doesn't need to be an explosion. You got to have one, man. <laughs> it, I don't know. I thought it was kind of fun. So I don't know. Maybe nice it, costume. The, the costume was, you know, well, it, it you got to shoot it right. You got to light it correctly and shoot it correctly, but still decent costume. I got to say the the actor that they got to be RoboCop like I I don't know it just seems like Oh the yeah it it seems like Peter Weller was like the only guy that could ever do RoboCop <laughs> He was the only guy that could pull that off that approached it with the just the right mentality Yeah to you know take that element seriously of like how it would move and how it would look you know, just as a performer, like, like, this is my movement. This is the, the art that I'm bringing to this, you know, I, I'm putting the time into figuring out how to move effectively. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know what order they shot RoboCop in. Maybe it has a lot to do with Paul Verhoeven's uh, direction, but it, maybe he really benefited from playing Murphy for the, most part of that movie for at least half of that movie he he is murphy well, he's murphy for about 20 minutes is that all it is is like 20 minutes it's, i mean it, it's pretty fast i remember there were flashbacks but maybe there were there are not a lot he's he's murphy for just a couple of scenes you get him and they really hammer his name home if you watch that movie oh yeah yeah how yeah. many times they call him murphy yeah and then you know his locker door slams shut. Murphy, right on there. I, they really want nobody to calls him home. Nobody outside of like mm -hmm. the people who are marketed to, like the mm -hmm. the outside fringe people who are marketed RoboCop. They call him RoboCop, but all of his friends that they all call him Murphy, right? Like yeah. uh, that. That's the that's the closing line of RoboCop three, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like my friends call me Murphy, right? But you can call me. Title comes in RoboCop. Right, right, right. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. If Peter Weller benefited from that, and all these other actors are just RoboCop. I, I don't mm -hmm. know, but like, it seems that, like that it, yeah, Peter Weller approached the character as Murphy, even when he was RoboCop. He was like Murphy programmed to do these things, right? Whereas just like I don't right. like the other actors just seem to be doing uh, character. Character, characters. What are that? What are that word? What are those words uh, of RoboCop? You know, he's not actually doing. I, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, the they're not bad. playing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you heard the whole story of it, but originally, uh, Peter Weller, uh, he got a mime coach to help him learn how to move, and they developed this really fluid movement, where he was going to be like super slick. And like just like machine precision, just like whoop, 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 like real slick and everything. But then they finally got the costume. Took forever to put it on him, and then he realized I can't move this thing. This I'm wearing a tank, mm. you know. I can't do those smooth, fluid movements. And he got into a big argument with Paul Verhoeven, rightfully so, because he couldn't move. And they had to stop production. He had to figure out how to work this costume. And so they scrapped the whole fluid thing and decided everything is going to be one distinct movement. The head moves, the arm moves, the body moves, you know. So even that performance came rushed and he hmm. was still able to, you know, do that so well. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
I, I still love the fact that they couldn't like <laughs> Robocop couldn't sit in the car. He could only, they could only put half the costume on him. While he yeah, he couldn't sit in the car and he <laughs> and he couldn't catch the keys. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> that was the first shot they did of like him catching the keys, and it took all day because it kept bouncing <laughs> off the rubber. <laughs> that's hilarious. But that, that that's that was the filmmaking, you know. You, they stuck to it. That's why it works. Okay, where are we at here? Um, um, I got a whole bunch of movies I can show off. Let's go. Let's do. Let's do your movies. Well, I want to say. There is no greater feeling than going to the the shop with your fingers crossed. Like today's the day I'm going to find that thing that I want mm -hmm. and I'm going to find it for a good price. And it actually happens. Oh, my it's goodness. Like, not only is it just like, hey, I found something I like. It's you found the exact thing you hoped you would find. And I have been trying for many, many, I would say at least a year now. Every time I go into a shop, I'm like, today's the day I'm going to find it. Finally found Blu-ray copy of Psycho 2. Oh, well, there you go. $5. Wow. So I was very close to ordering it because it's not terribly expensive to just buy a new copy of this. And I was like, I'm going to find it someday. But at the same time, these kind of like slightly not, I wouldn't say obscure, but it's not like amazing. It's not like The Exorcist, where like everybody knows. It's not really. I I, I don't know. I it's suppose not a bit. It's not a huge big title. Yeah. Like you're always, there are certain titles you're always going to see. This is not one of them. And not sometimes mass, they, they not mass produced. I, I would. Say. At least they usually tend to jack up the price for yeah. a lot of these uh, movies. And yes, I do agree. Midlife crisis media, Psycho Two is super underrated. It's it's much better than you'd think it would be. Yeah, uh, I, I, I remember it not being very good. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it, and I think the ending, especially when you get to like the last 15, 20 minutes, the psychological torture that's going on with Norman Bates, it really kind of peaks, and there's like some great stuff going on there. Yeah, I'm I, like, I watched them a few years ago, mm -hmm. and I watched two, three, and four in probably mm -hmm. the span of four days. And so. I, I can't remember what happens in two. Is that the one where he's walking up the stairs and there was a picture that wasn't, it was a little off. So he, he fixes it and then he, no, I don't, that was my so. favorite part. Two, two is he's released, you know, he's, he's deemed like he's served his time, you know? Uh, and then uh, Vera miles, um, uh, Janet Lee's sister from the first film is here now saying like, Hey, you can't release this monster. You got to put him back in jail. And then he goes home and he gets a job. And Dennis Franz is there. Uh, and, oh, that's uh, right. I forgot the Franz is in that. Yeah, and then uh, it's just hey, uh, weird stuff's going on. Like he he's cured. He's gone on. He's gone past. He's gotten past all this. But then uh, he's getting notes from mother and phone calls from mother. Oh yeah. And then like uh, it's unclear. Is like is somebody doing this? Is it all in his head? What's going on? Hmm. I enjoy it. I've been looking for it. Maybe I did like it more than I, th I thought. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds good. I'll have to see it's, what I It's what well I done. And, and there is a kill in this movie that gets me almost as much as the shower kill. There's a that, kill in this movie that it the way it's shot, 
it's so brutal. It's all one shot. And it, and slight, slight spoiler, I'm going to say the word actress. The actress in the shot is the actual actress. They didn't cut to like a stunt person. Just a Richard Franklin, mm-hmm. I, I gave it uh, two stars. Uh, not the mouth, not the mouth. <clears throat> the mouth. Uh, let's see, what did I say? The mouth is clearly a, a prosthetic, but uh, the one that gets me most is just one continuous shot. No cuts, just a nice wide shot. Curtis gave it three and a half stars. So he liked Good it. Movie. There you go. Um, I mentioned The Exorcist. I was watching creepy movies during uh, October. And Halloween night, I finally sat down and watched uh, The Exorcist. I That's the first time that. you've seen it? No, 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 no. I have seen oh, okay. it before. It's the first time I've seen it in a long time. Okay. Maybe I did talk about this. I don't know. Did it? Didn't I think I don't it, know. Anyway, I, anyway, I think talk I about talked it. about I wanted to watch it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I watched the director's cut with the uh, your favorite yep. thing. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a great movie. And I had it on uh, this this two-pack premium twin-pack DVD. Uh, but then I was out in the store, and I was like, oh, man, I, I got to pick a Blu-ray for that. <laughs> so now I got to watch it again with some uh, high definition in the, uh, the creepy makeup. What's up, Ryan? Um, I I did find a lot of five dollar stuff, um, so I upgraded a few DVDs that I have um, to Blu-ray. I got uh, your you love the Kubrick, I know. Yeah, so oh Bumper yeah, orange. Good old. I got two thousand one. Um, I got Die Harder. Oh my god! You and Die Harder with a Sam Jackson. Oh my god! Did I you get any good movie. movies? Um, yes, I upgraded my cuckoo. Oh, list. that's a great movie. Right on. And another one of your favorites, I, I picked up Fight Club. Yeah. Fight Club, that was the one of the first movies I watched on DVD. Mm-hmm. I probably have said this before. And the, and yes, the DVD, the ahead, DVD ruined the movie for me. Because I'm sitting there and I see this flash mm. of Brad Pitt. And I'm like, what the, what the heck was that? What's wrong with this DVD? And I... Went back frame by frame, and there he was. I'm like, oh, Brad Pitt's all in his head. Mm. Yeah, I I know if you can't get past that, I'm Thank sure you, uh, there, there's some more in there. All right. Uh, I I do remember 2001 being quite slow, but uh, sometimes you want to watch you want to watch a movie for more than just the pacing. I want to I want to see those uh, practical effects and high definition. A great space station spinning around. I want to see all the stuffs. All the stuffs. All right. Well, I got two movies here that I know you're going to flip over. It's right up your alley. All right. I'm ready to uh, flip. Here's one that I have never seen before. And uh, uh, I, I didn't get it on Blu-ray, though. They, but they had a DVD for, like, real cheap. Like three bucks or something. Uh, the Magnificent Seven. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have That's never seen one. this before. I enjoyed it very much. And I always love uh, seeing an old, uh, well, sorry, a young Charles Bronson in things. Because Charles Bronson was such a good actor. 
before he became yeah. uh, Paul Kersey <laughs> in Death Wish 3, which is how I always think of him. Yeah. Specifically Death Wish 3. Because I watched that movie so many times as a kid, and that's all I knew of him. But then you see him in, you know, Magnificent Seven or uh, Once Upon a Time in the West or some of the old uh, action movies he did. And that guy, he was a beast. He was like so muscled up in yeah. some of those early roles. This one movie, I, I don't remember the title of it, but there's a still of him holding a guy up and his biceps are so huge like that guy was just ripped uh midlife crisis here wants to know if you uh watch the chris pratt one i, I have not no uh, i in fact uh every time i see a remake of a classic film i intentionally turn my head and say why why <laughs> Uh, that happened, oh gosh, just yesterday I was out somewhere and I saw something. I can't even remember what it was, but it was some remake. And I'm like, why did you remake this? The, the original one is fine. Yeah. I think the only uh, series that they have ever brought back that was that was great was Mad Max. I think that's it. Like just oh, yeah, brought, yeah. Fury Road was of, fun. Brought out of retirement kind of thing. Like, I haven't done a movie in, like, 30, 40 years. So it's like, that, Mad Max is it. There's no other, like, every time they try, it's like, yeah, this, it's not working. Mm. Well, you can think to of another be fair, one. well, there are some things that were remakes that we think of the classic version was actually a remake. Uh, something like The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing is the one that most people like to mention yeah i know you don't like it but uh david cronenberg's the fly i think is a great movie yeah uh, and that was a remake um i i'm gonna get a lot of flack for this one but i still quite enjoy the brendan fraser mummy movie i think it's a fine popcorn action movie speaking I, of I, that i i have a segue for uh, that one Okay. Well, let me do my last pickup because this right. one I was super excited about. Um, I, I've been trying to find this for a while. I don't know why this is such a hard movie to find. Got myself an extra sexy copy <laughs> over nice. the top on Blu-ray. <laughs> nice. Look at this. You got you got the, the arm wrestling on yeah. the slip, slip cover here. Whoa. Cover. And on the back, look at that close up of those biceps. That is a sexy Blu-ray. Is that Blu-ray or DVD? It's Blu-ray, and oh, you know it's goodness. a great one because the case is black. Oh right? my goodness! And I then you so got jealous. the artwork there, oh. Lincoln Hawk with his truck, and inside here there's like little pamphlety things with all you know pictures and reproductions of little movie poster things. I am flying over to Japan just to steal that. I'm just gonna oh. sneak into your house take that that's only to be the only thing missing everything else will be left there i'm gonna show it all oh, off my goodness go and you got the nice uh artwork on the disc yeah. that was so cool they do not put as much effort into blu-rays as they used to but sometimes occasionally you find you, you know a nice one all right, that's all my pickups. What's your uh, Mummy Brendan Fraser connection? Okay, so you know the director of those Mummy movies, right? 
Steve, uh, 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 Steven Summers. What's the other? What's the other movie that you're always plugging on here that he directed? Oh, his masterpiece, Van Helsing. I watched that piece of trash. Oh, I love it. Oh my goodness. I don't understand. I don't. So it's got terrible CG. Mm -hmm. It's way over two hours. It's like two hours and 12 minutes long. It's It's a lengthy movie. Yeah. So it breaks like every single one of your rules. Mm -hmm. And yet you love it. I, I, I love it. I, I really understand that movie. I won't say that it's like a fantastic movie or that it's like a brilliant movie or that it doesn't have its issues, but I, I find it to be wonderfully over the top in, in mm. just that great way where he took they they took the universal monsters and said, you know, let's reboot them in an action franchise. Um, I really like uh, the Dracula, who's like completely overacting that whole introduction scene when in black and white where they go back and the, you know the the monster with frankenstein and everything yeah, it went on a little too long to, and i i enjoy it so much i like the little um helpers he's got at one point van helsing picks up like these kind of jawa helper guys and he's got like gnashy teeth and it's just so silly that's my idea of we were talking about the piranha movies earlier where it's a little tongue-in-cheek. It's like, I know this is silly. I know this is campy. Let me, uh, you know, just have fun with it. And I think in that way, it feels like it's done in a nice balance for me. I, I did. love the, the look and design of Frankenstein's monster with the, yes, the I gaskets agree. and the steam coming the, out of the, his the leg. The steampunk leg, yes. I, I yes. do agree with you there. I, I thought the Frankenstein's monster was very well done. It's my favorite part of the film. Mm-hmm. And that opening sequence, I wish, like, if they would have just, if that was a whole movie, I'd be okay with it. Like, okay. Let's, mm-hmm. But it's just, I don't know. It just kind of went on way too long for me. It was It was very much just derived of all these other action films like the the guy with all the inventions and all that that was like that was oh yeah it was a james bond right it was Uh, from uh, james bond yeah he's got like this boss that's has that's telling him to go out on assignment and all that stuff uh but that was that so yeah the frankenstein part happened that's what it was it was like it was like the movie had two openings it was like the Frankenstein thing. And then the yeah, hunchback the of Notre Jekyll. Dame. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, he was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but they kind of insinuated that he was also the hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Like he was kind of like, like they, he was he was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but he mm-hmm. was in the Notre Dame Cathedral with the bell. Okay, well, yeah, using the imagery, yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. They were. I think they were kind of implying that he was double dipping as a as the same monster or something like that because he did have a hunchback and everything anyways doesn't matter it was like the movie had two openings it was like just get get to it already mm-hmm. like my goodness anyways uh yeah i was i was quite surprised because it it did break a lot of your rules and i was i was surprised that this this was a, a oh, richard I movie it. richard recommend recommend yeah i i same thing with uh, the mummy it's like it's not a brilliant movie it's got its flaws and uh, yeah the cg is not attractive yeah but uh i i find them to be completely fine as mm. like hey you could just put this on 
and enjoy looking at images and listening to sounds. That that director has your number. He he's got he's dialed into he, you. He he tickles a sweet spot. He, he yeah. keeps missing there, me. even when um with um it it's like I think he's a very he knows how to keep the image entertaining uh, even if the script is subpar because there are lots of plot holes and things that don't make sense and conveniences and stuff like that. But something as simple as um, when I think it was like Kate Beckinsale's character, when she first appears, there's like this rotating camera, oh. low angle rise yes. up on her spin thing. There's this, a cage that like pops up out of the ground it catches her foot and she does this like backflip for no reason just because it's you know hey we're seeing stuff happen uh, i i think it works well midlife crisis here wants to know if you have seen uh his previous movie deep rising, deep rising. steven summers no deep rising i don't i don't know what that is <laughs> sounds like something to do with sharks or something monster movie at sea monster. there you go Ooh, all right i'll check it out there you go thank you very that much down. you have a recommendation oh and going back a little bit uh yes death wish 3 is the one where marina sirtis uh, expired from a broken arm and you know she was brutally assaulted in other ways Come I, on. that was her her nude scene she's yes. been traumatized by apparently Scorpion King is not a good movie. I did watch that a few months back. I have it on HD DVD. I have not watched it yet. So <gasps> Treat Williams. Treat Williams is in Deep Rising. Now I gotta watch it. Yeah, Treat Williams and and Fack Me Jensen. Uh wow. There you go. That <laughs> sounds right up your alley. Maybe it's on Josh's Plex. See if Deep oh, Rising maybe. it's on Josh's Plex. Okay, um, we'll check it out. All right, I uh, rewatched for the upteenth time, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. What about Bob? Oh yeah, fantastic film. Uh, I did not know. Uh, I noticed this time. I caught it this time that uh, Frank Oz is uh, oh, in yeah. the film as uh, his. Oh, he's in the film. Yeah, he's got a little cameo as uh, he is Richard Dreyfus's doctor. You know, when Richard Dreyfus kind of losing it and then. He gets uh, some doctor comes to the house to to see him, mm-hmm. and he wants him to evaluate Bob as well. And he's like, "Bob's fine." It's like you're the one who has the problems, kind of thing. That's Frank Oz. Oh, okay. Uncredited. I, I I don't remember this. Well, he's uncredited. Like, well, he wasn't in the credits, anyways, because I was trying to look in the credits, but he's not in there, anyways. Um, but yeah, that was a good movie, and uh, you know, Bill Murray. Kind of plays the same character in every movie, but that's like the one movie where he is just completely different. I mean, of course, there's Carl too in the the Caddyshack movie, so he's got like Carl, then his sarcastic Bankman kind of persona, and then this, you know. Under, I think it's a bit of an underrated movie too, personally, but whatever. Wait a minute, I I what can't get past now? this. I don't remember. <laughs> Frank Oz being in the movie. Frank Oz cameo. What about 
Frank Oz. We've lost Richard. I'm sorry, everyone. Dr. Cameo, what about Bob? I don't remember this well, scene. He's, he's in it. He, he's there. <laughs> this is when they're, they're up at the lake? Yes. And a doctor comes to see him? At yes. At the house? Yes. Yes. Uh, I can't remember at what point. It was something. Oh, he has a party. He's having a party. Remember? And... Uh, or they, they, she, she was putting together a birthday party. Oh, the party. surprise birthday party. When right, there's right, a right. bunch of people. Okay, right, right, okay, right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, all right. At least yeah. there, that's a wide shot, lots of people. I'm like, like where is a scene where a No, but he is, he's in the. Him? I don't remember that. Once he passes out, right? And then so the party's kind of over. Or he, get, mm -hmm. he gets angry at Bob or something. I can't remember. Anyways, he's up in a room with just the family. And they're all around the bed while Richard Dreyfus is there. Maybe I saw an extended cut. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know. maybe my DVD has uh, deleted scenes or something. I don't I'm know. I'm going to have to watch this again. That was going to be my, excuse me, my next point. You did watch it on DVD, correct? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Because I don't believe it ever got a Blu-ray release. Nope. Nope. And the DVD yeah. is also a little postage stamp DVD kind of thing but i was able to blow it up on my tv and it looked really mm. it looked for a dvd it looked really good so there was some dvd magic happening there um what else do we want to talk about i also watched uh well we could briefly talk about the barbie movie i, I watched the barbie movie have you seen the barbie, the barbie movie? movie the barbie uh, movie? no i have not seen the barbie movie so this Did your movie, lights go out it's getting dark Okay. My lights did not go out. I started looking at What About Bob. I came back and it's just super dark in your house. Uh, it's, the sun's going down. We did the time change thing, right? So, um, yeah, the Barbie movie. I don't know. I So this movie is kind of like if you're conservative, you hate the movie. If you're a liberal, you love the movie. Um, I don't know. I think I really is there some political agenda to the Barbie? Movie? I don't know. I apparently so. I don't know. Anyways, I watched the movie. The whole thing, it's it's kind of like uh, the Wonder Woman movie, where it was just really overhyped, and you have to like this movie because it's made by women for women and all that. Look, I'm just a middle aged white guy. A lot of the you're messaging. Telling me you're telling me it's not to sell more toys. It had very little to do with that and more to do with Barbie's uh, like, it seems to me like as if Mattel is in survival mode with Barbie. So they're trying their best uh. to spin <laughs> Barbie into, you know, being em empowering to women and not being, you know, a sex objects or whatever. I, I don't know. Anyways, a lot of the messaging in the movie to me, as a middle-aged white guy, take so take my opinion with a grain of salt, was completely muffled. Like, I did not understand what the hell the movie was trying to say, right? Like, I did like how they created the universe. Like, so in our, in America, it's a patri patriarchy society, right, where the men dominate and the, the women are the, the lesser sex or whatever. And as much as things have been trying to change in our society. A lot of it is still designed that way. And then over in the Barbie world, it's the opposite. The women, it's a matriarchal society, right? The women okay. run the show. 
the men are, uh, you know, like Ken's job is beach. That's his job. He's he's beach. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't really have any sort of title. He doesn't have any sort of say or anything like that. And, uh-huh. you know, just after watching like uh, shows like uh, Ted Lasso, where it's just like these topics and that are just held with such maturity. They're just done and written so well with such maturity where it's not a struggle between men and women, but it's about coming together and learning, you know, how to live together and treating each other as equals and not that one is better or one is worse, right? It's that we're on an Mm -hmm. equal level. We have our strengths, we have our weaknesses and we learn to work together with those strengths and weaknesses. It's just done so well. And then this movie comes out and it's like, you know, the men are bad, the women are good. And uh, so basically Ken comes over into our world, finds out about the patriarchy and goes back into the Barbie world and changes things over. And, oh, wow. Is it that deep? Yeah. And <laughs> and so it's like, okay, like instead of like trying to come to an understanding, they just fight. They go to the beach and they fight. There's like a big okay. battle and everything. And, and it's all, and they basically, the women, a spoiler alert for the Barbie movie. I, I probably shouldn't be spoiling this, but it, I don't know. I don't think it, it's just it's so dumb. Uh, that they they manipulate the guy. They manipulate the men to go fight while they ha- take the time to do their legislation thing and switch things around back to a uh, matriarchal society, you know? And to me, I don't know. It just seemed to be like such a lost opportunity to create something that would actually bring people together instead of just having them fight more. And then a lot of the stuff was just, I don't know what the hell they were talking about. I don't know. A lot of the movie, I just didn't know what they were talking about. So, Okay, I'm going to look something up. Barbie movie Barbie doll. <laughs> okay. What do you, what are, are, you they, are, they, are they selling Barbie dolls based on this movie? I don't know. I have no idea. Right. I don't know. I know a lot of it is uh, tied into Barbie nostalgia. Like they bring back a lot of the old Barbies, like what happened to this Barbie or whatever. And they have like the character in the Barbie world. And like there was a. Okay. So yeah, there, there, um, this is what I was checking. There is a Barbie doll based on Margot Robbie and one based on Ryan Gosling. So they're, they're make, they're selling dolls. Yeah. Message, whatever. That's probably part of the marketing. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but uh, well, like I said, like I think seemed... bottom. I, I think you have a very good point. Yes, uh, Mattel wants to be able to continue selling toys. Right. They don't want Barbie to now become bashed and beaten and forgotten as some like archaic uh, kids' toy. Yeah. That has no place in contemporary society. So they smooth it over with this movie. It's okay to keep buying Barbie dolls. Pretty much, pretty We're much. We're going to keep and making money selling like, toys. They even they had Rhea Perlman on. She has a little cameo as the creator of Barbie, and she mm-hmm. comes on and like at first you're not supposed to know who she is, but obviously it doesn't take a genius to figure out who she is. And then she comes on. She's like, you know, I'm the creator of Barbie, and all this rhetoric that Barbie is bad for children and all that. That's not what Barbie was ever designed to do, to be. And blah, blah. And she's just going on. I'm like. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, but you know, you go to the the old letterbox there, and people love it and think it's the greatest thing. So I'm well, I yeah. Take I, my I, opinion I, with a grain of salt. No, I, I I can understand where you're coming from because I tend to have a cynical behind the scenes attitude when looking at anything, and just like wh where is this movie coming from? What is the purpose here? And it seems to be yeah, we want to keep making money, so we we have to figure out a way to appeal to contemporary liberal people who might have an issue with us selling Barbie dolls so we can still sell Barbie dolls. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Is the movie, was it entertaining in any way or what, did you no. just get, uh, feel like the message was a little too heavy? -handed? I didn't know. I didn't know what the heck it was talking about for the most part. Mm -hmm. I did not like, I, like I said, I like the world, how they built the world and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm just waiting for that level of maturity or something like to really talk about the if you want to talk about this issue and that because well, probably talking about that issue would have been better done without uh, the product placement of Mattel and Barbie. If, if some other filmmaker put together a movie about dolls and image uh, and, and did something like that, but when the corporation is involved, of course, the bottom line is we just want to appeal to as many people as possible so we can sell some more Barbies, sell some more Transformers, sell some well, more G.I. Joe. I, I don't think they tried to sell Barbie as much as they tried to sell the Chevy Blazer because right in the middle of the movie, there is an out-and-out -out commercial for the Chevy Blazer. It is friggin' ridiculous like so they had to run away from some bad guys at some point so they all pile into the chevy blazer and she's the mom is driving around you know driving ah i gotta lose these guys and it like goes to a shot of the the cam and she pushes a button to put the chevy blazer into sport mode and then she could like drive faster i'm like this is just a commercial for the friggin' chevy blazer oh. that was the only message that i got clear as a middle-aged white man i understand i gotta buy a chevy blazer that i understood the rest of it i don't know what the hell i was talking about a pink one uh no it was blue and it did oh. look nice i did like it i i did like the look of it i would never buy a chevy blazer um, i <laughs> unless i got like an extremely good deal on it what uh, was barbie's uh classic car it was like a, a corvette a convertible what did she have I remember yeah was, she it, had a was it a brand it was a Cor it was Corvette, but it was kind of like a Corvette like kind of thing. You know, it was just okay. a little two seater roadster, but it had like mm -hmm. a little bit of a look of a Corvette. It's in the movie. It's it's and it's well, it's quite a nice little car. You know, I had similar um the other day my kids were watching the the Lego movie. I, I haven't watched it, but I caught like little bits and pieces of it yeah. as they were watching it. And I, I found the movie so annoying. Oh, that it Will Ferrell's just... in that movie too. He's in the Barbie movie and he's in the Lego movie. Oh boy! Yeah, he does all the toy movies. I guess so. Uh, but it was just—I don't know—the humor and the the constant breakneck pace of everything being like so fast and like just ah joke 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 thing 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 move 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 and, and just I don't know. Well, it's like you've said, they're too afraid people are going to look down at their, their other screen and not pay attention to what's up on the, on the big screen. I do, it, I do find that is a lot of the humor, though, today. Is they're not really saying anything that funny. They're just speaking really fast. They just talk fast mm -hmm. and 
it's like a little trick to make you think that they're clever, but they're just, it's just really quick. You know? Talk fast. And the other thing that got me, which, you know, is, is been an issue for a while. Um, idiot lead characters. I understand it was Will Ferrell. But like, it seems like the protagonist of movies, that movie in particular, is just an idiot with, that has absolutely no idea what's going on and just constantly makes stupid remarks and stupid decisions. I don't quite see the appeal. I understand it's comedy. Well, it's, it's but, a little bit you like, have your... well, don't, like you're looking at a kid's movie too, right? So it's a little bit of appealing to the kid's wonder. I, yes, sort of that to big, some degree, yes. Sort of that big bird-ish kind of style where you know naive i can understand yeah stupid is different okay well follow that bird is a great movie i do i'm looking for it i go to the children's section every time and try to find it i do want to watch that that is a movie about that is a movie about acceptance and and belonging and you know you have a naive character who just wants to do the right thing and is manipulated Maybe follow that bird. Frank Oz is in it too. Would uh, be seen on a Plex server near you at some point. Who knows? Ooh. It could happen. Oh yeah, I've got a DVD copy. <clears throat> All right, I did I watch. I did watch. Edition I did watch. Uh, so I watched this movie on uh, Josh's Plex. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. the subtitles were a little messed up. Uh, the movie Sisu. Have you heard of this movie, Sisu? S-I-S-U. I know what a seesaw is. So Sisu is uh, the main character in this movie. And it's kind of a lot of people describe it as if it was John Wick got old and he was living in Norway and he's fighting a lot of Nazis. And I got to say, I don't think the movie is like John Wick at all. In fact, I, I found it to be a little bit of poor quality. Uh, myself. So the movie is about uh, this prospector living in Norway during uh, the uh, tail end of World War II. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or is it Finland? Finland or Norway? Oh, God, geography's hard. What's the one right beside Russia? Is it Finland? I think it's Finland. I don't think anybody wants to be beside Russia right now. <sighs> they just, uh, oh boy. Anyways, uh, so that country, that's that northern country uh, that's beside Russia. Uh, So the Nazis are retreating, right, because they're losing the war. And as they're retreating back to Germany, they're doing the old scorch earth business where they're just laying waste to towns and that and and putting mines in and and just destroying everything on their way back to Germany because they're pissed that they're losing the war. Mm-hmm. Um, on their way to back to Germany, they run into a this prospector, Sisu, who has just come into this big fortune. He is, uh, you know, always looking for gold, and he finds mm-hmm. this big vein of gold out there in the uh, northern tundra. So he digs that up, and he cuts it up, and he puts it in his bags, and he puts it on his horse, and he's he's headed back home. On his way back home, he runs the Nazis and him. They the two converge. They meet up. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Nazis have been just killing everything, you know, whatever's in their way. They see this guy on his horse. Hold on. Let's not kill this guy right away. Let's have some fun with him. 
So they start, you know, messing around with him and all that. They discover he's got like this huge amount of uh, gold. Uh, but they, you know, they let him, they let him pass. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm going jumping ahead. So they don't discover, but they let him pass, uh, even though he gave them like a dirty look or something like that, because the guys that were behind him are even worse, right? That was their, their general and the sharpshooter and all that behind him. So he runs into those guys and those guys find out that he has all this gold and they make him run into a minefield. And, uh, he uses like all this kind of cunning and witting to like, make uh, the mines explode to kind mm. of disguise him so he could pick up the gold and run away and all this stuff. Well, yeah. it turns out that this guy is actually, uh, you know, super agent guy from thing. And, you know, oh, they, mess, they mess with the <clears throat> wrong guy. He's got yeah. a dog. They mess with his dog. This is where a lot of the John Wick stuff's coming in. Yeah. Um, I, I read the rev- like a lot of people after watching the movie. I'm like, what do people think of this movie? Because I thought it was kind of stupid. But a lot of people love it. A lot of people think it's great. You might you might really enjoy it. Um, but I just found it to be like a lot. Of, like I've been here. I've, I've done this already. Yeah. It was lacking the character and the heart of John Wick, which is kind of weird to say because I know John Wick is just a action movie, but you know, he lost his yeah. wife kind of thing. He, he they there's, messed, they... there's just enough in John Wick. It's like, yeah, just enough, especially the first one. The first one spends quite a bit of time like looking at his now day to day life of just being miserable. Right. And then it kicks into action movie mode. Right. And I, I think it was pulled off very well in John Wick. I really like that part. But in this movie, there was just, you know, like the it relies a lot on grossing you out kind of thing. And uh, just watching him do a lot of, I don't know, gross stuff to get out of bad situations. Like they at one point they hang him. And uh, I don't know if he has some sort of weird breathing technique or something like that. But he he's able to survive for a bit and then to survive the night, he kind of like he's hung onto this uh, sign. Like it's a gas station sign and they have the rope over the, the sign kind of thing. So he kind of finds like a piece of barbed wire that's hanging out and he kind of like just jabs it into his side. So like the weight the pressure of his body is on this piece of barbed wire. So he doesn't suffocate mm-hmm. to death. <clears throat> and I'm just like, okay, I, I don't like, I, I, I don't know. I just, he goes back to his hometown his hometown is completely torched and he's all like devastated and it's like well what did you expect what did you think you were coming back to you just went through all these nazis and everything who are laying waste to everything they're even hanging their own kind like if you don't want to do this we'll just hang you and and move on kind of thing they're horrible i don't know what he was expecting going back to his hometown like it just kind of seemed it makes sense you gotta check it out Oh, no, I'm not saying that. It's just that he was completely devastated. Like, he was shocked that this was oh. this had happened. And it's like, dude, eh. what did you expect? Still, I, I, don't I can know. see I, that part. You, you, you hear something bad happened, and then you're like, well, I, st- I still got to see it. And then, oh, wow. Know. It, really it just came happen. It came off as really hammy to me. And, <clears> I, you know, like, I tried to, like, really, like, because I, I like, you know, the 2008 Rambo movie which is very blood and guts and, you know, cheesy effects and the John Wick movies. And I really tried to sit and think like, why do I like those movies? But there's just something about this movie. And I think it was just, I, 
I've been there and done that. I just I've seen this already. I've it could I, be a bit of you know been there done that character yeah. performance. You know, there's a lot of different elements to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose I don't know. Like I wonder if I has seen this movie. Like if it came out ten years ago, if I would have liked it a lot more. But I don't know. I just well, it's yeah. it's probably you know speaking of uh, die <laughs> yeah. hard yeah <laughs> the die hard formula after die hard everything became oh uh, under siege die hard on a boat right right sudden impact die hard in a hockey stadium yeah, you know, yeah. everything was kind of like oh how can we reproduce that formula but right different yeah and then john wick came out that was a big hit and then suddenly there's all these you know um there's even a, a tom cruise one where he's like a guy who Oh, I've got the secret past. I was a high official, you know, assassin, killer, military guy with you know, special training, Jason Bourne, the Bourne identity, that kind of thing, where it's just, okay, let that character, but we're going to put the, I mean, that's been done for a long time. I'm ex-CIA, I'm ex-special forces, whatever, but then put the John Wick type action on it. Of just yeah. like quick hits and fast kills and you know improvising with with uh, regular objects and things. Yeah, well, and I don't know. Just a lot of it was cliched. Like I just I've seen this thing. Like you can you can just tell the beats are coming. And and I don't want to like it's kind of weird, but like they didn't. It's a gross movie in a lot of ways, where they go for the gore, but they also don't go for the jugular. Like. John Wick, the dog dies, right? Spoiler alert. The dog dies, which is like, oh, that's like a gut punch, right? And this, the the dog is as quick and nimble as he is. Like, they can't kill the dog even, you know? And it's like, how dangerous are these Nazis? They can't even kill a friggin' dog. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. Is this like a major release or is this uh, some straight-to-video streaming thing? It's very professionally done like it's not cheap it doesn't look cheap it doesn't look very expensive to make because there isn't a lot of locations and there aren't a lot of actors in the film um so i i'm guessing it wasn't made for a lot of money but it is a very professional slick looking film i know the director is uh uh from he's either finnish or norwegian (laughs) whichever country the movie was made and i'm sorry i'm just an ignorant canadian that uh, can't tell the difference uh, but uh, and he's and he's had successful movies in the past, but uh, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it that's just it was just off. It was just boring. Bland is the word. I, I as much as exciting things were happening, like I kind of need a little more than that. You know, it was just I didn't feel for the character. I didn't care that he found all this money and. Uh, now I will say the last line in the movie that I had to go look up because there was no subtitle. That was pretty funny. So I gave the movie an extra half a star for that because it was pretty funny, but that was it. Sisu is a 2022 historical action thriller film uh, set in Finnish Lapland during World War II. Yeah, Finland. That's what I said. The film follows a former legendary Finnish commando and gold prospector. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this this was uh, what? Where was this movie made? In Finland. It's done in, in fin- like yeah. It's done like the tundra is there. It's very. It's okay. it's got a, a a western vibe to it. Be a lot because of the 
the the tundra you know kind of looks a lot like a a desert kind of thing it's just a you know so i don't know you might like it it's on josh's plex if you want to check it out and and Uh, it it might be it might be up your alley i might be i don't know i got i don't know there was just something off about it i don't i can't exactly pinpoint what it is i have some theories but i gotta rewatch die hard 2 yeah i don't know why you need to do that i'm not sure why Uh, Uh, because it was cheap do you have a copy of die hard 2 on yourself? I have found Die Hard 2 out in the wild many mm-hmm. times and I did not buy it because I don't want that movie in my collection. It's not the No, oh, how about no. Die Hard 3? Dennis no. Franz is in that one too. I love Dennis Franz. NYPD Blue is one of my favorite shows from the Sipowitz 90s. and John McClane. He is not He is not Sipowitz in that movie. He is something else. I don't know. He was Sipowitz in in Psycho 2. I don't like any of the Die Hard sequels. There you go. Did you Die know Hard that uh, 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 Dennis Franz was also in Popeye? No, but I do now. <laughs> yeah. He Good gets beat up by Popeye. By the way, he hasn't he done gets... anything in a long time. He should come back to do something. Well, he I'm sure he made a, a nice little chunk of change off of his uh, NYPD Blue run. He became the face of NYPD Blue. NYPD Blue. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah well, he, he was the, even... the second fiddle. That's right. Uh, to David Caruso. Originally. Yeah. yeah. And then he became the second fiddle to uh, the guy who replaced to, him. Um, the the Jimmy Smiths. Jimmy Smiths. And then finally, and then he finally. he got the top billing when finally. Uh, Ricky Schroeder came That's right. on. <laughs> when he Ricky Schroeder doing, and and when uh, he started doing the show with like '80s sitcom kids. The buddy from Saved by the Bell. Uh, Mark Paul Gosselin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't bad on the show. Ricky Schroeder had a rough time. And yeah, Ricky Schroeder was tough to watch, and I'm glad that they got rid of him. But Mark Paul Gosselin. Oh, sorry, uh, Rick Schroeder. Whatever. He wasn't, uh, yeah. They made him too stupid. He was really dumb in the show, and it's like... I don't really remember his part. I just remember that... Um, he had an off-screen death or something. They mm. they just kind of came back in the next season, like, oh, he died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh, it's because he showed his butt. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. right. You had to pay him extra for that. All right, one more movie I want to talk about before we sign off. I want to end on a high note. By the way, I'm watching oh. Oz right now, which is that HBO show, which is pretty good. So we'll talk about that the next time. But this is for all the Canadians out there. I watched on Amazon the Mr. Dress Up uh, documentary. Excellent. If you're if you're a Canadian, Gen X, mm-hmm. watch that. It'll bring you to tears. Bring you to tears. Um, remember when he was sexual harassment, Homer? Yes. Yes, everything comes back to the Simpsons for... No, I not don't. Mis- not Mr. Dressup. Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz. Yeah. Oh, it's doing that thing that. where I can't, I can't get rid of the, the comment. Oh, there it goes. All right. Yeah. Anyways, um, <clears throat> Mr. Dressup, I did not know this. There's been a Fred Rogers movie starring Tom Hanks. There's been a Fred Rogers mm-hmm. documentary uh, yeah. out recently. Both Academy Award nominees. Mm-hmm. 
both American that do not mention how Fred Rogers actually came to Canada in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't shake that sauce. I can't shake that sauce. Oh, my God. That is terrible. Anyways, Fred Rogers came to Canada in the 1960s. I can't, can't even find a good... This is really distracting. It's gone. Is it? Okay, there we go. I don't see it. Fred Rogers came to the Canada in 1960s and did 300 episodes for the CBC because they were the only, the CBC was the only place that he could get funding to do mm-hmm. the kind of show, children's show that he wanted to do. So mm-hmm. he created that whole, the trolley and the imagination land in the back with the puppets and all that, all that he did here in Canada on the CBC. Mm-hmm. With Ernie Coombs, who was Mr. Dressup. Ernie Coombs was like his right-hand man and puppeteer in that. So after 300 episodes in a couple of years, Fred Rogers obviously wanted to go back to the United States because he was an American and he wanted to bring his vision to America, mm-hmm. um, even though Canadians were very good to him. But whatever. Bye, Fred. But in, in his wake, they uh, they wanted to continue. The CBC wanted to continue on doing a series. So he's like, give it to Ernie Coombs. Let him let him take it over. So uh, the first 300 episodes of Mr. Rogers are, are Canadian. Wow. Just so you know. So then, uh, yeah, Mr. Dressup took over. He took over the show. He called it Butternut Square. Had a big budget where they had like this whole square and a bunch of people and all that. Then the CBC and its infinite wisdom. We have this great, you know, they're always about Canadian culture and promoting Canadian things and unique Canadian things. And we get this thing and then they're like, ah, we got to slash the budget on it. We got to cut in half. So basically they, they gave uh, Ernie Coombs half of a studio to do his butternut uh, square show. In. And he's like, well, I can't do that. So he cut it down to just the one character, Mr. Dress up, set up this little, uh, you know, uh, studio home and, and the offshoot off to the side with the, with the uh, tree house where Casey and Finnegan lived on. And that's where he did his show for like, you know, some 40 odd years. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was great documentary. It's just so funny to see how like in the sixties, that was a set that was built on a budget. And that's the same set that they used basically throughout the entire run of the series. They updated mm. a few things here and there, but for this documentary, for this Amazon documentary, they recreated the whole set. And did nothing with it. <laughs> it basically, <laughs> here's the old set. You don't see it throughout the whole documentary. At the end of the documentary, they turn the lights off on the old set. I'm like, they didn't, they didn't even use it. What was the point of that? Just for the lights. That's it. But anyways, uh, fantastic documentary. He had a really interesting uh, life and philosophy. And uh, yeah, man, it'll bring you to tears, man. Bring you to tears. So he's one of the I'm best. Getting you know, misty just thinking about. He was one of the best TV that shows. I've never heard of. That's ah, you're missing out, man. Show you should have showed your kids Mr. Dress Up. Say, watch this. Watch some Mr. Dress Up. I, I, it might be on YouTube. I don't know. I'm sure there's clips here and there. All right, that's everything. Uh, I don't even know if I want to mention this. If you listen to the latest episode of STC Pod. I haven't, but I have noticed that there's a new episode. 
They're all butthurt over the fact that I didn't uh, bring them in on me selling my video game collection. Mm -hmm. I swear to God with those two, I feel like I feel like I'm Spock. Bring bring you in like you're supposed to share your your yeah. profits with them. I don't. I... Or oh, you're supposed to set up a table with them at a convention. I've been selling my video games for at least I don't know how many years. I, at least three. I sold a bunch to Hodge uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago. He was doing that 600. His road to 600 NES games. Like yeah. send me my send me your list, and I took all the NES games I had in my collection that he didn't have, and I sold them to him. Mm -hmm. Bill and Joe knew this. They knew that my stuff was up for sale. They could have approached. Oh, they me. wanted to get your stuff. They wanted to buy. They wanted to buy my stuff. They wanted to buy my video oh, games okay. at a discount. Obviously, mm -hmm. I guess I should have. I guess I. <laughs> The way Richard's right. lighting up right now, I thought his eyes was glazed over because. Well, I was like, I don't understand why they would want you to like sell with them. Like, well, no, what's no, no, the purpose. You're no, going no, no. to they wanted to, all the benefits. They wanted to go through my collection and basically take whatever they uh, want. Okay, okay. Now, I live a half a province away from them. I'm three hours away from Bill, four and a half hours away from Joe. <laughs> Joe does this collecting on the down low like his family's not allowed to know about it uh bill's got a house full of crap i don't what what are the logistics of them coming up to are they coming up to sudbury to buy this stuff am i going down there am i pulling all this stuff out and taking photos of it and say do you want this do you want that what are the logistics of this then the stuff has been for sale for like i don't know how many years that not once did they offer to buy anything now all of a sudden they're butt hurt that I didn't offer them first dibs on on my video game collection. Oh, I don't get it. It's I feel like I'm I'm sometimes I feel like I'm Mr. Spock and Jim Kirk left me in charge of the Enterprise. And I'm sitting there and the message comes in from Starfleet. Your your in-laws are moving out of the house. There is a bunch of stuff that's coming into the house. You got to make room for this stuff. So what are you going to do? Well, the intent is to sell the video game collection. How do I make that happen? I reach out to my friends who own a video game store. They give me, cut me a great deal and all that. And while I'm doing all this stuff logically, with pure logic, as Mr. Spock does, mm -hmm. I got these two Dr. McCoys over my shoulder saying, bro prices, bro prices, give us the bro deal. Where's the bro, <laughs> where's the bro price? How come I don't have my bro? Like, what is wrong with you guys? If you wanted to buy my stuff, you had ample hmm. opportunity to do it. I don't. I you're, don't get it. You're trying to rationalize the behavior of addict. They're I still so. in the, that zone where they got. They got to buy this. They got to buy that. They're into it. I guess any so. any lead. They got to look into. Anyways, that it, like, <clears throat> the percentages that were coming out of their mouths are way off. They said how much I got and how much they would owe. Like who's who's paying the hundred dollars in gas to go like i bought i brought a full car load over mm -hmm. to that shop down the street a full car load. i'm driving that all the way down to southern ontario for what for you guys to go and pick through what you want like i, I don't i don't get it mm. and then i hear that bill is upset that i didn't let him in on when i sold my my uh music equipment a year ago when we were moving and i'm like well, 
what of my music equipment do, did you want? I sold Sarah's drum kit. He's got no room for a drum kit in that house. He'd have to put it on the roof if he wants a drum kit or maybe in his backyard or something. My bass guitar, my bass amp, as far as I know, he's got no interest in that stuff. The only thing he would have interest in is the one guitar I sold, an Epiphone Dot, that he already has. So I don't know why he'd want that. And then the other one was like a heavy metal type of guitar that he wouldn't. I, the only time I ever see him play over the past 20 years is for Bob Dylan's 80th birthday. That was it. So I, I don't I, I don't get it. All the stuff was up on Facebook. Anybody could have had dibs on it. So I don't know. Maybe that's uh, Bill's responsibility to get on Facebook and see what's happening over there once in a while. But anyways, I listened to that episode and I was like, I, I, at first I was like, okay, these guys are joking. And then they doubled down for the end. We want to hear why <laughs> you didn't let us in. On, and I'm like, what planet are you guys on? I know I'm supposed to be buried on Mars, but I really don't know what planet you guys are on sometimes. I, I don't get it. Anyways, that's it. Mm. And we're losing, we're losing. See, every time we talk about Bill and Joe, we just lose the viewers. They just, <laughs> they disappear. That's why, I, that's why I, I, I didn't want to get into it, but whatever. Anyways. Well, well, I just replaced a lot of DVDs, so I'm going to be selling a few of those. If anybody wants in. There you go. Let me let me know. How are you going to hmm. get over to Japan to get some DVDs? Just, just come on over this weekend. I'll leave it open. Like, hey, it's Saturday. Maybe I'm going to do this tomorrow if you want anything. Just uh, stop by anytime <laughs> before then. Insanity. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody, in the hmm. chat. Rocket Sauce. We had Mike Labrain here. We had Midlife Crisis, who I'm just now realizing is, uh, isn't that the old-ass gamer? Isn't that the old-ass gamer? I think I, I think that's the logo. Oh, well. I think that's him. He knew he knew Sauce, so I know they're friends. So. Hmm. Okay. Anyways. I don't know. People have different names. Uh, we had uh, Chris here for a second, and you were here for a second. That was good. Yes, I was. All right. I don't know why this thing does not work now. Oh, well. Anyways. That's it. Did you know that next time we record, it's going to be December? It is? What's up My with God. that? Uh, we're peaking 2023. in December. 2023, flying right by, man. I don't know. Insane. Hey, I That's didn't talk funny. about video games. Hmm. Neither did I. Did you want to talk about video games? Um, last time we talked, I said if I could buy an arcade machine, I would buy Bubble Wobble. Yeah. I've recently discovered just how good Defender is. Defender's fine. Yeah. I never played the arcade version before. I had only played it on the 2600. Okay. I played it a lot on the 2600, and I was never very good at it. The arcade, you've got like five buttons. It's crazy. Really? You you go up and down with the joystick, but you've got your your booster. You know, it's a button to make you move. Okay. So you, you're not using that. You have one button to boost, one button to fire. Yeah. You have one button to switch going oh. left or right. And then you've got a button for like warping to like a random spot in the screen. Oh. 
And then you've got um, like a tactical nuke, some sort of uh, you know explosive that'll get rid of everything on the screen. So where where did you play this? You actually played the arcade cabinet, or well, I got it on on my uh, arcade emulator, dealy. Okay, uh, retro Raspberry Pi. Right. And uh, I had never messed around with it before because I I had I told you last time I had a bunch of games. I whittled that down to twenty five. Did you let Bill and Joe in on your whittling down? Did you? Uh, no, but I do no. have the digital files. If you still <laughs> send your hate mail with you, Bill and Joe, send your hate mail to to Rambox, Kara Japan. But I left Defender on there and I started playing. And I was like, this game is really challenging. It's really fun. It is good. I like it. Fun game. Yeah. Excellent game. All right. I've been playing Far Cry Five. We just had the the stressful move, uh, mm-hmm. you know th- that all went successfully. It's all done now. The house is signed off. It's no longer in the family. Huge relief. And then after like a big, you know, stressful thing like that, I just like to lose myself into a world. You know, I just like to go in and yeah, have like there's that little bit of a learning curve at the beginning of a game like that. But then once you know what you're doing. Like you don't have to relearn controls and all that stuff. And that's what I appreciate about a big long game like that. So you could just turn it on and play for 20 or 30 minutes, do like a little mission or whatever, and not have to relearn stuff. I find that relaxing. So that's what I've been messing around with. And it's not a great game in terms of story or anything. I skip all the story because I don't care. I actually hate it when the story takes over the game, but there's like um, a lot of collecting in there and, Fishing, you can go to like all these little fishing holes and collect or search for different fish. And right now, I am, uh, you know, searching all like it takes place in Montana uh, during like some sort of a weird sort of semi apocalypse thing where the government's kind of like uh, messed up. There's no real American government in montana right now and it's this uh religious cult that's coming in and trying to take over kind of thing so you're always battling with this religious cult to keep american freedom alive and uh, uh so i'm just going around trying to like go into people's uh cabins like abandoned cabins and a lot of uh what are those they called uh, preppers they have the the thing under the ground you know the, the big uh, oh the bunkers miners. like yeah underground so you go in there and they're all abandoned and that you're looking for like fishing magazines to find out which uh, lakes to go and fish for certain fish so, I find that relaxing we'll find the magazine oh. oh you can find this fish in this lake and then go to that lake and you can go look it up online if you really wanted to find out which lake to go to but I find it more fun to go and search in people's bunkers and abandoned cabins to find fishing magazines that's what i do to relax yeah sure yeah all right there you go that's it now we're done <laughs> now we're done right. for sure all right thanks for watching and listening everybody talk to you next time Dango.